Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It's Friday, August 21st here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, started off to be a nice day. Looks like it's going to be a hot weekend, but so far so good. Nice and sunshiny and just the way we like it. Um, this episode is being brought to you by a number of sponsors, and we're actually highlighting one of our sponsors today. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking with my friend Lou DeMauro of Medical Enterprises, and I'll give him an appropriate introduction here in a minute. Uh, but this would not be happening if it wasn't for these incredibly generous sponsors. So let me just mention them quickly, and then we'll spend a lot of time talking about medical, medical enterprises today. The CCS Group, um, Cheyenne and Josh and all the folks down at CCS Group, Safety Reports, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and my pal Jim Cover, and uh, our latest sponsor, uh, Aaron Cerrone and Mid-America Martial Arts, and Aaron and I are doing a leadership series, as we've talked about, and so... The last Friday of every month, we will do an episode on leadership, and Aaron is going to be helping me with that, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Just a couple of observations from the past week. Uh, I haven't really given many observations of late, so let me hit you with a few things. Um, First of all, I'm struggling with my mask, obviously. Trying to talk like I talk and keep this mask on is a near impossibility, But um, so you'll hear me struggling with it a little bit, but we're trying to do the right thing, right? So. In case our wives see this. So um, I'm an industrial hygienist by training. You know, I've been doing industrial hygiene and occupational safety for about 30 years. But I came into the profession as an entry-level industrial hygienist. And so I've been hanging pumps and doing dosimetry and, you know, monitoring for 30 years. And um, industrial hygiene is not an exact science. And occasionally there are problems. The equipment can be challenging at times. Uh, this past week, it was it was really odd because I had three pumps fail um, on the same sampling event, and I I uh, use pumps. I get pumps from a from a reputable lab. They're a great laboratory. In fact, I use SGS Galson as my laboratory, the analytical lab, and they provide equipment. And just for some reason, coincidentally, all three pumps out of their loaner program just happened to fail and. There's always a lot of explaining to do to the client while now all of a sudden I, I, you know, this particular sampling can't be accomplished. And, you know, that's always kind of a nightmare when that happens. And, and then a couple of days ago, I was helping a company. Uh, the safety person wanted to do their own industrial hygiene. I think it, it's certainly more affordable to do their own. And so they asked for a little bit of assistance. And so, you know, I tried to coach them along. I mean, so I said, yeah, sure, I can give you some pointers. I mean, they didn't really want to have me do the sampling. So I showed up in the morning. I talked a little bit about what they were going to be doing. And I showed up in the morning. And um, I don't think we were, either of us was well prepared at this point. I don't think, you know, my safety contact hadn't really spent the uh, uh, necessary time reading the manuals, was not familiar with the equipment. Um, had never really done sampling before, and so I'm here I am trying to coach this process. I show up, and there's equipment that I've never used before, uh, which is still, you know, still possible. The new stuff I'm just not familiar with, and so we had these new dosimeters that I'd never used before, the little collar mount. Yeah. I use edges all the time. I'm very familiar with the edges. They are great, reliable instruments. These were kind of a Casella or something. Yeah. or I've seen those. But, but, I, had, I, but I couldn't get them to turn on they, the button the button functions did not work like what I was used to and so I call the lab and the, the lab guy very graciously gives me a quick you know rundown okay do this hold these two buttons do that so 
I thought we had them running. And then she emailed me yesterday and said, uh, we didn't get any data from any of the five dosimeters we put out. And so, you know, I just had a bad week, man, from an industrial hygiene standpoint. Um, it's really disappointing. And, you know, but obviously uh, equipment can be problematic and you need to be familiar with your equipment and you need to practice with the equipment before you're trying to do yep. some of these surveys, obviously. Um, and, and a lot can go wrong in this industrial hygiene. So while I don't discourage people from doing their own sampling, there, there is a time and a place for that. There is also a time and a place for, you know, using a third party to do this kind of stuff that has experience with it. And gosh, just, just be comfortable and familiar with equipment. Okay. And then the biggest obstacle, and we can talk a little bit about this because I know you do some sampling as well, yes. Lou. Um, God, the employees aren't always respectful <laughs> of the process. You know, I mean, I've done hundreds of welding samples and I've walked in on welders who have taken the filter off their collar and are holding it over the plume of smoke coming off the weld. You know, I mean, I've seen guys tapping on the microphones of their dosimeters or banging it or blowing air, air tools over them, you know, you know, compressed air over the microphone. What they don't realize, I, I mean, I think that's kind of funny, frankly, but what they don't realize is there's a consequence to the results that we're going to get. Yeah, You know, they're either going to be in a respirator or they're going to be in hearing conservation or mandatory hearing protection. So um, while we try to discourage that, man, there are, there are a lot of things that can go wrong in industrial hygiene, and they just all seem to happen to be last week. So uh, that's, that's my observation about that. Number two, I had a number of people call me this week um, inquiring about services, which is great. You know, I'm, I appreciate that. But, but there was kind of a recurrent theme that came up. We were talking about audits. You know, they want to do, um, they want to do their own auditing, which is very important. They want to have employees in their facility performing inspections or doing audits, which is a very critical part of this whole safety process. Um, but there's, you know, there's, it's not quite that easy. Um, you can do audits a couple of ways. You can have people work from a checklist. You know, give them a checklist. Go out and confirm that these fire extinguishers are in place that there's an eyewash where we think there's an eyewash, you know, those kind of things. You can, you can do that, but don't forget that the employee needs to be trained on what they're looking for, you know, the, because just the mere presence of that fire extinguisher or the presence of an eyewash is not necessarily enough. So if you're using a checklist, make sure that you give your employees enough information that they understand what it is, you know, uh, when they affirm that, yes, something is there or something is present, that it's in a workable, usable, appropriate condition. I mean, they need some level of training. The other side of that is if you are asking people to go out and identify hazards, like, let me know if you, you see anything hazardous. Oh, my God. I mean, that requires a significant amount of training so that employees understand what, what we would consider a hazardous condition. I mean, that's not, that's not something that is just, you know, uh, intuitive, you know, I mean, everybody views these things differently. Every, everybody considers things differently when we talk about hazards. So to say, hey, if you see any hazards, let me know, or I want you to go out and audit the work area for hazards, you know, at the bare minimum, they probably need like an OSHA 10-hour class, a survey class on what is considered hazardous, mm -hmm. something like that. So, you know, auditing obviously is a critical part of our safety program, but we, we need to equip our employees 
to do effective, appropriate audits. And so, you know, these conversations that I had with these uh, individuals, we talked a lot about auditing, but I'm not sure everybody understands the significance of preparing our employees to do these audits effectively. So that's my, that's uh, the last I'll say about that. And then one final thing, man, I apologize. I'm rambling on occasion. I recommend books. I mean, um, I can read, uh, you know, and okay. And that, that, that's a testament to public school here in Omaha, Nebraska. I can read. Um, and I recommended a book called the power of habit by Charles Duhigg, um, a few months ago. This is an incredibly good book. I think so much of what we do in the safety world is, is, um, habit is habitual. And, and this book gives great insights into habit formation and habit modification, Things like that. I think safety professionals in particular would be interested. This is the book I'm reading now. Um, I'm going to try to get a picture of it. I'll put pictures of these on the website so you can see them. It's called Doesn't Hurt to Ask. It's by Trey Gowdy. He's a former prosecutor and congressman from South Carolina. Um, But he is talking about the power of using questions rather than statements to persuade and to communicate. So... You know, as a prosecutor, he was always asking questions and formulating questions. As safety people, as investigators, we ask a lot of questions, and that can be incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. when used correctly. So I've just started this book. It just came out, I think, Tuesday. I got my copy, like, within 12 minutes on Amazon Prime. You know, I think the guy actually was standing at my door when I hit the, you know, process Mm -hmm. button, which is remarkable and scary. But I'm really excited about this book. Doesn't hurt to ask Trey Gowdy. I'm, I'm not making any money from Mr. Gowdy. So, you know, but I think as safety professionals, I think if we do investigations, if we do inquiries, if we just, you know, we're just trying to gain information or even persuade people, I think utilizing questions appropriately is an interesting concept. So yeah. I'll let you know more about this book as I finish it, but um, keep that in mind. And so... Oh, my God. I'll take a breath, and uh, let me introduce my guest, man. Uh, Lou DeMauro with Medical Enterprises is sitting here with me today. Hello. Six, hey, thanks for coming, man. Not I appreciate it. Thanks. I know you're an incredibly busy guy. Well, we, we all ske- are. We scheduled this about six months ago so we could actually get yeah. you in here on a Friday, but <laughs> thanks for coming, brother. Um, we have known each other for probably 20 years, in yeah, fact. At least. I think 20 plus. Yeah. Um, you, you are a service provider in our community and, and the region, probably across the country, across frankly. The country nowadays. Um, you guys, uh, Medical Enterprises, does a tremendous service, and we're going to talk in great detail about that. We probably met, well, I remember when we met, um, I don't know if you will recall this, but you and your father came into the Omaha area office back in 2000. Oh, that's... At the old place, the old you place. know, 69th and Pacific, if you remember that location, yep. and... The, I think there had been a hearing conservation amendment had just been released or some letters of interpretation or something from OSHA. Yeah. And you and your father came in and we sat down and just discussed some of those things. That was the first time we met. And little did I know that we would cross paths continually for the last 20 years. But um, we were on the uh, the conference circuit, circuit together. Every time I was at a conference, you were at the conference. Yep. Uh, you guys have been a tremendous resource to m- most of my clients uh, you've been of great assistance to them. And so recently, Medical Enterprises has become a sponsor of the program. And, and you know I appreciate that. 
Well, we believe in what your program is, what you, all the services you are providing to people out there. And, you know, and today this is the best way to get a voice out. So I think more than happy to sponsor you. I appreciate it, man. I, I sincerely, I do appreciate that. And so what I want you to do is just Tell people that, that aren't familiar with Medical Enterprises a little bit about the history of the company sure. and, and the services you offer. And Well, we're a um, family-owned operation, like Doug was saying. Uh, uh, my father started the company back in 1979, oh and we started as a wellness program. So you were familiar with people doing well health fairs and all that. Uh, we started with those type of programs, and as the government came out with new regulations for like hearing, respiratory, fit testing, uh, specialized physicals, drug testing. We just, our clients were expa- asking us, can you provide some of these services? Sure, we can Absolutely. do that. And we right. just uh, expanding our services. Now we do very little wellness programs. Our biggest programs that we offer are the on-site hearing, respiratory, fit testing, and drug testing. Mm-hmm. Um, 1989, we were one of the first companies to help sponsor the DOT on how to put together a drug and alcohol uh, drug testing program in the country. I didn't know that. So, you know, we're not the largest thing out there. We're not looking to be the largest, but what really sets us apart from everybody is when you pick up the phone, you got a problem. You pick up the phone, you give us a call. We're going to help you. Oh, very good, man. You know, excellent. and people go like, you always hear, well, they're telling me this, they're telling me that we find it in the regulation. We send it to you. Because all we have in this world out here is our reputation. And right. if we're telling you the wrong thing or bogus stuff, you're not going to utilize us. You're right. going to tell your buddies and friends, don't utilize them. They don't know what they're talking about. Right. So, you know, we went from starting a little company here in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, just servicing just the local area to an eight-state region to where now we're coast-to-coast. Coast. That's incredible, but man. But still based out of here. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, and still family-owned? Still family-owned. Good for you. Um, family-owned cool. is always a fun. <laughs> it's always good. fun to work with. Well, there's an adventure to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But having said that, there is still an element of control, and the original mission can be yes. maintained. I think when we get too big and we grow or we're absorbed by larger uh, control, I mean, the mission changes. Everything changes. You, you know, It's about making just, money, and it's not about providing a service. Right. You just become a number. And it's like, no, you're a person on the other end of the phone because it's like right now we're getting calls um, with everything going on with COVID. Hey, we can't find clinics that will allow us to come in and do pulmonary, to do the fit testing, to do anything to breathe. Nobody wants to do anything for that. So our staff, we've taught them how to actually protect themselves, protect your employees, how to gown up, how to put the PPE on just to protect everybody. So we've been getting calls from out of Florida oh, to I'm fly sure. down there in some of these crazy spots, help them out, local people that uh, are starting to pick up the phone, give us a call. So it's been very beneficial for us, unfortunately, yeah. because of the circumstance. Well, sure. But but we, now, have to be, we have to be re- responsive to the needs of our clients. We have to be resilient. We have to be creative at times. Yeah, oh, yeah, create. You got to be flexible. <laughs> right. If, you know, there's companies out there that – we are going to do it on this day, that day, that's it. Well, the building burned down. Sorry, we're not going to be able to get back to you. Uh, you got to be flexible. Right, right, no doubt. So this well, war. It's interesting you say that, man, because um, <clears throat> I've had a number of people tell me that they are on it. I get uh, emails frequently from um, businesses or 
even clients, non-clients, hey, is it okay if we skip our fit testing this year because we can't find anybody to do the fit testing? Or is it okay if we don't do our annual audiometry because we can't find anybody to do it? And I'm like, I, I don't think OSHA, you know, they may be flexible, but but there's no exception to doing this stuff. You have to do it. And so when you and I spoke last and you said, yeah, we can do that, you know, obviously my clients were already aware of that, but, you know, clients of mine and uh, others who were unaware, I mean, they have to find a, a source for these services. Yeah. And so uh, it's fantastic that you guys are making that available to them. I, I commend you for doing that. I know it's probably not easy no, under the circumstances, but it needs to be done. Yeah, because everybody pretty much when all this COVID started, everybody put all the testing on hold from mid-March through the beginning of July. So now they are wanting to, oh, can you show up in September? <laughs> right. This is two weeks ago. I'm going like, uh, no. Right. So we've been moving all of our on-site clients to the second half of the year and still bringing on new clients because mm -hmm. we know the importance. They've got to get this done. Right. Because there Absolutely. was that uh, nursing home in Ohio a couple of weeks ago that uh, three of their nursing homes got cited because they didn't do the fit testing. Right. I saw that. And to the tune of $40,000. Hey, yeah. I know, you got to get it done. I, I, these are these are incredible circumstances, but these employees are still owed, a, you know, a safe work environment. I mean, we have an obligation to do that for them. And so, yeah, thanks, man, for making those services available. I know yeah. I've directed a number of people to you guys. Appreciate because, it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, yeah. you know, I want my my uh, clients to get what they need, and you guys are able to do that. One of the things that's, I think, most convenient is that you guys have clinics, but you also have mobile services. Yes. You can go on to the employer's site, which is just incredibly uh, useful. And that's not convenient. You know, uh, we had a client, we have a client that uh, they have their safety trainings in this little small town in Indiana. Well, there's no local clinic there. So they bring us in the one year they say, you know, we need you there next week. Wait a minute here. Uh, we, we need a little more notice than a week. Right. Was not able to actually accommodate them at that time. They brought in a local clinic out of Louisville, Kentucky. Well, the contractor shows up. He sets up his computers, can't get any equipment working. Says, okay, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll bring in new equipment, get it working. They never even showed up the second day. Okay. Left them hanging. And they're bringing these guys in from all over the state of Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky to get this done and left them hanging. So kind of like what you were talking about earlier about knowing your equipment. Um, we're used to working on site, kind of like a mash unit, kind of we know our equipment. Mm -hmm. If something doesn't work right, we know the workarounds. We know how to get it working and operating while we're on site, where a lot of local clinics, they're used to working in a clinic. They're not used to working in the field, right. working outside that clinic, and uh, takes a lot longer, a lot harder for them to understand that. Yeah, that's so. really important. And, and it's so convenient. I mean, I, I can appreciate that, hey, you might want to send your people to a fixed facility, to a clinic, but just the convenience of be, being able to do these things, again, like the, uh, the fit testing, the audiograms on site. I mean, mm -hmm. the interruption to the work is so much less when you can – you know, you can send somebody out, they get taken care of, they go oh. right back to work, they don't have to get in the car, they don't have to drive into town, they don't have to do those things. You send them into a clinic, you lost them for a day. Yeah. Uh, one of our clients in Chicago, he's, we were talking about that, we were 
doing their respiratory at the time and hear on site hearing at the time. And he's going like, well, these guys just had it done. Okay. So understand why he's not going to send those guys through. I'm going like, you do realize you could have waited for us to show up. Well, I thought I had to send them into the clinic. I'm going like, well, no, you, you pay us to be here. Let us go ahead and do that. And, and he was going like, good, because these guys are union. He told me how much an hour that he's paying. He goes, they leave at seven o'clock in the morning, get to the clinic at eight. They don't come back until the end of day. Mm-hmm. So now did I lose them on paying them their per hour, but loss of productivity? Absolutely. And that's even two to three times more than what right. the loss on hourly. So I, I just think the convenience of it is just uh, incredible, you know, and again, um, you know, I know that you guys travel over the country. We've talked yep. about that before. You are willing to go wherever there's a need. Obviously, you need a little notice. Yep, need a little <laughs> right? notice. It's not like you're just circling around the outer belt waiting for somebody yeah, to call, sure. you know. No. But, but um, so what's the number one? You guys do the most is drug testing probably? Drug the testing most requested is, service? yeah. And that we've got clients from California to Georgia, Florida, Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from DOT, Department of Transportation Drug Screens, to non-DOT. And uh, that, you know, is uh, when it comes to safety, people don't realize 70% of all drug addicts are actually working. Mm-hmm. Probably 10% of your population currently is under the influence of drugs or alcohol right in now any given in any given workplace. Oh, my gosh. We've gone in and done blanket testing on companies, and it's- they are shocked. They think it's the little 20-year-old kid that's working for them is the actual pot smoking Mm -hmm. cocaine, using whatever. Nope. It could be the executive. We've had executives brought into our clinic at nine o'clock in the morning and on a breath alcohol test, blow a 3.9 or a three, nine, not a 3.9 tease. That's a lot of (laughs) a three, nine, but still that's, you know, just to drive a car. That's over four and a half times the legal limit to drive a car. Well, there are five of us in the building today, and I'm assuming uh, if 20% of us are in, intoxicated, it's probably Pat. Would, would, would we'll, we'll blame the other ones out. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's my guess. I mean, it's just, you know. Well, we see this little bottle you're drinking, Doug. Right. Is that really water or is yeah, that vodka? Yeah, the lid was loose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what there. was, you know, there you go. doctored up or not. So drug testing, of course, drug. what I know you for specifically is yeah. for respiratory protection issues, yes. fit testing, um, That's been during a- conservation issues. Those are the things that my clients tend to need. And then I'm sure once they interact with you, they realize, oh gosh, these guys can do a lot of stuff for us. What, is there anything else besides those three Uh, that you guys can provide? Well, we also developed a physical for a lot of the meat packers. Okay. Um, If you have a hazmat team, we actually can come on site and do a full-fledged physical. And we're talking about EKG, blood work, height, weight, blood pressure, pulse, vision, color. Make sure these people are physically capable of getting into a level A suit and yeah. dealing with um, a leak or something right. of that sort. Right. So we come on site, we do that on site, everything comes back, our medical doctors actually review all the documentation, and it's if there's something there, we're going to let you know, hey, they're medically qualified, right. good to go, or this person, you need to pull off the production, you need mm-hmm. to pull this person and get them some help. That's fantastic. You know, we've had one guy where... Um, he was a very large man. He's only five foot six, 400 pounds. Our staff did a blood pressure on him and he came out at 210 over 190. Oh my God. Looked right at the safety director and said, take him to the ER. He's about to have a stroke, a heart attack. He, and you want to put him an air pack on him and a level A suit? Right. No. 
Well, good for you. Not at all. Yeah. Good for you. Oh. So there's that's those. Really, um, I think people occasionally minimize the importance of that that initial physical assessment. You know, yes. Can people wear a respirator? Can people do these things that yeah. we're asking of them? And that's such an important part of this. I, I know that while I was with OSHA, we would issue citations fairly frequently for not having done the medical evaluation and then just sticking someone in a respirator. And and there's a, there is a lot of risk to that. So Yeah, people ask like, well, why do I have to do this? What are you measuring for? Well, we're, make, we're wanting to make sure you're physically capable of drawing air through a filter. Right. You know, you right. put this respirator on, you're going to have to be, work in some hot, Mm-hmm. you know, high humidity environment or some place that's extremely cold, you got to be able to physically wear it right. for eight, nine, 10 hours. Difficult. And it's difficult. Well, I, th- it's, I think, you know, during the, the, uh, this COVID issue with face coverings, I think a lot of people have realized how difficult, even these loose face coverings, yep. they don't make a seal on your face. No, nope. you know, they're just loosely, you know, they're hung behind your ears. They're not strapped on like an N95 <laughs> might be, or, I mean, a, or a full like a face, full face respirator yep. or something like that. And, um, you know, I've heard a number of people talk about how difficult it is to breathe with one of these things over your face. Just imagine wearing a tight-fitting respirator for eight hours a day. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we, the stress is just incredible. Well, we've got people that when we come in to do the pulmonary and the fit testing on them, and the guy shows up, and he looks like Grizzly Adams. Mm-hmm. It is like, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, I wear this. I just really tighten it on. It's like, uh-uh, nope, right. nope, go shave. Right. And they get upset about that. I was going to ask you about that. That's in my notes here, beards, because that's always been such a contentious issue. Yep. But OSHA is very clear, and they and they actually changed this a long time ago, but yep. they're very clear that there can be nothing between the uh, the sealing portion of the respirator in, in your face. I mean, it has to it has to basically seal on clean shaven yeah skin. Yeah. Right? I mean, so... It can't be the weak, old, long growth. Well, some people, that's still, to some of us, that's just a 5 o'clock shadow. Sure. Other people, you know, that sure. takes them all day long. But uh, they, they get and that upset. Really, that really... Have you had anybody just go batshit crazy on you when you told uh, them that they needed to shave? Or is they, that usually taken care of before you show up? Well, we still get it. Uh, we have the razors. And unfortunately, hey, if you... Like this group that we were working with uh, recently, they were all told... 48 hours ahead, you got to be clean shaven to be fit tested. Right. Because the only time they wear this is when they do a very particular job. Mm -hmm. But some of these guys have never shaven since the last year we did a fit test on them. Right, right. And they're going like, I can't use that little two-cent Bic razor. Uh Well, you were told to shave before you came. So now. This is what we have. This is what we have. So off it goes. Or you're running down to the store and getting a uh, uh, shaver, uh, you know. Oh, man. Something of that sort. But the ones that absolutely refuse, company has to deal with them. Well, they can't, they they, can't they, wear a respirator. They can't wear a respirator. So that has to be, yeah, that's an internal issue. But they have to figure that out. But you can't wear a respirator with yeah. facial hair that interferes with the ceiling surface. We had one client that, oh, it's it's wintertime. So the guys can have their beards. We don't went up one year. The next year we went up, you were either clean shaven or you were fired. Really? They got... I don't know what happened in between the two years, but it's like mm-hmm. they made a very clear, this is now you will yeah. be clean shaven year round. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's for the well-being of the employee. Oh, if they you, don't if understand that. If you going that. to wear that respirator and you're in an environment where there's a potential exposure to a hazard, it, ne- it needs to fit. Yeah. It needs to work properly. And 
Yeah, I've seen guys ratchet it on so tightly that, you know, for the three minutes that they can bear to have it on, it might they might pass a fit test, but that's not reality. But they don't pass because the minute you start doing a rainbow passage or get oh, them yeah. start doing their exercise, that seal breaks yeah. because it's on so tight. Right. They can't talk. And it's like, guys, got to take it off. <laughs> can't move their jaw. Can't move their jaw. Utter a word. Yeah. That's like, that's like pantomime, you know, everybody's miming through their yeah. teeth or something. Yeah. And so... um I know you guys also do like noise surveys, for yes. example. I know you've done some of those. We've talked about that before. Yep. So in addition to these services, you will come on site and do noise we assessments, can, dosimetry. Yep. And we do all that. We used to get into air monitoring, got out of that business. Uh, you know, after we kept finding our pumps, the intake valves or the <laughs> filtering inside a tank of toluene. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what? Oh, yeah. You know. So some of the things that you've seen yeah. uh, of what the employees will do and how they treat your equipment. Oh, my gosh. Um, we use uh, a little older Quest devices, mm-hmm. uh, 300s is what we're mm-hmm. using. So, you know, can't beat it and run over with a tank and yep. thing exactly. keeps on running. So Exactly. Um, but, yeah, we ended up purchasing our own equipment, bringing in a lot of extra. So if we do have a unit go down, we have that backup back to, to slot, slide right yeah. in place. but Well, that's typically what I do. I yep. typically, if I need to, you know, hang five pumps, I order six, six. or I'll get seven or something just yeah. in case because it, it happens. Yep. It's almost inevitable that it will happen, but but uh, that's, an, that's a really um, that's a comprehensive service. If you can actually do the monitoring, you can do all the audiometry for them. Yes. So uh, make it a one-stop shop. Yeah, now, that's really useful. Um, we also get into policy development, but that's more on the drug testing side of things mm-hmm. versus safety and health. Now it's I'd rather dump that work onto you and let sure. you handle that. Yeah, man, that's perfect. Uh, that's that's your expertise more than not mine or our yeah. company. So. Uh, but we do tra- training, again, more of the reasonable suspicion type, more drug mm-hmm. testing. Drug testing is probably 60% of our business. Mm-hmm. But the hearing respiratory, that's a faster growing industry good. for us good. and um, enjoying it. So we get to oh, go in, good. see a lot of different places, a lot of different companies, how they do things. And I, when you're talking about seeing a hazard or uh, doing the audits, when we're on site, our staff will notice things. We were on site at one location and going into this warehouse area uh, that the, our client was subcontracting or allowed a subcontractor to come in and use and store their materials there. Here you see all the acetylene bottles laying on the floor, mm-hmm. no caps on, no, co- <laughs> no covers. It's of like, course. wait a minute here. Uh, yeah. You got a problem. I right. understand it's your subcontractor, but if OSHA walked in the door and saw that, yeah. you're the ones getting the fine. Right. And that's something a lot of people don't realize out there is you are responsible for all your subcontractors making sure they stay safe. Right. If they're not staying safe, then you're the one looking at the fine. Yes, OSHA will go after the subcontractor, but they've also named oh, yeah, man. you also. So, yeah, yeah you got to be. There's a, there's a very uh, useful document, that multi-employer worksite policy that, that explains all of those responsibilities and so that host has the ultimate responsibility for safety on that work site so it's always good and it's become very cliche in our business but it's always good to have a third party you know an outsider you know a new set of eyes however you want to refer to that just observing and you know we always find things 
that maybe the, the well, local people miss. You I get, mean, it's so easy to become conditioned to your surroundings. That, precisely. I was going to say that. I mean, you get so used to seeing yeah. it every single day. Yeah. And then it's like somebody comes in, hey, why is that guy hanging from the roof rafters there? You right. know, is that right? No. Well, we've always well, done that. We've always done it that way. It. Yeah. But I think that's incredibly useful. And so to have you on site serves a number of purposes. Yes. Convenience. Uh, uh, a fresh set of eyes, you know, as observers. I mean, you know, just getting that guy with the blood pressure issues, you know, to the hospital. To get him checked out. Was, I mean. It was worth every dime they paid you. Yeah. You know, I mean, those, and, those things. I mean, it, and then you can tell if the company actually cares about their people, if they actually follow through. Right. You know, when we see people and we're going, no, they're not medically qualified to wear a respirator, get into a level A suit, and then the companies are fighting and arguing with you. Well, they can, they passed last year, or the local doctor said, hey, they're fine. Hey, let's think about this a little more. Most small-town local doctors don't understand your business. Sure. You Absolutely. may have them in to do look at work comp and all that, but when it comes to OSHA, they need to understand these people have to perform certain jobs. Right in a more high stress environment and they may just sign off. Yeah, no big deal till something goes wrong. Right. Right. And that's what you pay us for is to help you win in court or to keep you from going to court. Mm -hmm. Um, making sure your people are staying. Well, just make good decisions. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think, um, non occupationally trained physicians yes. you know, if, that are not familiar with occupational medicine, uh, don't always understand the stresses of the workplace. Yep. And so, you know, OSHA recognizes that. They talk about the more authoritative medical opinion when they in the record-keeping standard. I mean, there is there are definitely people that understand those hazards and those exposures better. And so when we're talking about those things, um, you really do need to uh, utilize an occupational health person for those opinions, oh. in, my, in my opinion. You know, I mean, you know. Yeah. The local doc is great, you know, but man, when we're making decisions and we're strategizing about protecting employees from hazards, I would want someone who understands those hazards, yeah. you know. Not only that, but you may do everything that OSHA says. You may do everything that DOT says to the letter, but somebody gets hurt, somebody gets killed, and you go, OSHA goes, yep, you did everything the way you were supposed to. Remember, civil courts. Yeah. Don't listen to what Ocean DOT says. Right. So you have to defend yourself in those. Well, that's an interesting comment, man, because you guys provide a nice document. So you've, you've serviced a number of my clients, yep. uh, whether that be hearing or respiratory protection, fit testing. Uh, the documentation that you provide and, and the guidance what, in that documentation can be not only is it important to the employer, but as you said, I mean, this is, this is your validation that you've done the right thing, that you've that you have, you know, um, guidance and strategy. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. what the employer gets from you? Well, when they get a full report, it's going to be like on a respiratory. It's going to be a pass or fail report, and it's going to be very easy. It's not hiding the fact if the person pass or fail. It's going to be very clear, this person passed, this person passed, this person failed, and then we give you more documentation separately on that individual, why, what's going on. So do you need to go in for more, for more further medical information or more medical testing to identify? Is it somebody that has to get their blood pressure under control or is it they just couldn't 
perform and they can't blow. You'd be surprised how many people cannot pass a pulmonary function test. <laughs> and we're talking people in their 20s. They're, 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 vaping is becoming one of the biggest things out there, and it is destroying the lungs faster than if they just smoked cigarettes. And they can't pass this, and they're blowing in the 40s and 50%. We need to get them to 75% or higher. Um, so when you get a report from us, not only does it have the fit test forms in it, but it, on that fit test form, it shows what the respirator that we tested, what size, make, model, and if it was a pass or fail. Uh, if somebody fails on a fit test, we are hoping that you have more different sizes or even different models, makes all that, so we can try to make sure we find the correct one for that person. Um, that's on a respiratory. On the hearing, it gives you the breakdown of who's in an OSHA recordable list, who is on a standard threshold shift list, who had a baseline upgrade, and how what you need to do with those individuals. Um, we put everything on an electronic format, on a disk or thumb drive, something of that sort, to make it easier so you're not having – you have a 1,000 employees – now you have five binders of oh, yeah. uh, documentation. Well, we get it down to a disc. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can be able to print off the audiograms. You can print off the history forms. Right. You can print off everything because you are responsible as a company to have all that documentation. Right. Now we've had clients have called us up and said, we've had a fire. Don't panic. <laughs> what do you need? You and we can, we them. keep that up to a certain, you know, 10, 15 sure. years we can go back and start reprinting oh, cool. or resending stuff. And on drug testing, same thing. DOT's in the door. They're staring at me in the eyes, and I can't find my documentation on a drug screen or a random list of something of that sort. Don't panic. We'll get it to you. Oh, that's cool. So give me your email. There's email. I mean, Off it goes. applies to the uh, successors. I mean, I know businesses are transacted and new ownership comes oh, in. Oh, yeah. The old ownership leaves and they take all of those records with them or destroy them. And all of a sudden, you have the same workforce. You're, you're responsible for having maintained that history. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's happened. We've had clients that said, uh, we've got the locksmith trying to pick the locks on the uh, file cabinets right. because the person broke the locks, yeah. key in the lock, or the key in the locks on the file cabinets. Yeah. Can't get into them. Or they, uh, the records are no longer on premise. Uh-huh. What does that mean? They don't have them anymore. Right. Guess what? But you you got to have them. That's a sob story, and I'm not sure OSHA is going to be incredibly mm-hmm. compassionate when it comes to that. It's, uh-huh. it's your responsibility. They'll, they'll, they'll sit there and go, yeah, I kind of feel sorry for you. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But you still got to get it. Yeah, you still got to find it. So that that's really helpful that they can. You guys will maintain those records for a period of time. For a period of time, but you know we send everything back to. Yeah, I, I mean we've been moving everything over to more of a digital format and mm-hmm. storing a lot of those type of records and giving um, on certain programs we've actually have access. Like on our drug testing side, we have access to where they can go into our um, software. And download the drug screen results. Oh, very cool. They can find the random notifications. They can find all this other information from there. Makes their life a lot easier. Ours a lot easier also right. by going to more digital. And we've done that for over well over 10 years. We've been in the digital format, Excellent. trying to make it simpler for people to file, to find things. We get calls all the time. Hey, I'm the new safety director. Uh, we've noticed, when's the last time we're, you were here to do hearing tests? I can't find any records for the last three years. Oh, okay. Hold on. Here it is. Mm-hmm. You know, click, click, click. There it is. Wow. That's, yeah, that's really helpful. So that's something, you know, also the difference between the local clinics and somebody, a service like us that 
this is what we specialize in. Mm-hmm. You know, do we do, people ask, do you do work comp? We do very limited work comp. Our expertise is drug testing, on-site hearing, respiratory fit testing, specialized physicals, mm-hmm. those type of programs yeah. come in well, help like you on that, that aspect. First, stay in their lane. Yeah. You know, you cannot be everything to everybody. Nope. And when, and, and when you try to do that, it's obviously going to fail. And I, I've learned that from my own experience when yeah. I first started as a consultant. And, uh, you know, my children were starving. My wife, we were living in a cardboard box. I was taking work that I probably was not qualified to be doing. And it didn't take long to realize I know my limitations and I know where my lane is and stay in that lane and do it well. Yeah. Um, Don't try to be everything to everybody. No, because that's just going to get you in a bunch of trouble later on. You know, you... When you try to be something to everybody, then you just don't put out good quality work. I and completely agree. So that's what, you know, we've got clients that have been with us on the drug testing side since 1989. You know, we've got clients who've been with us since the 1980s, uh, mid-80s uh, for the hearing and respiratory programs yeah. when they st- first started rolling out. You don't keep people for 10, 20, 30 years or longer if you're putting out bad quality service or a product. So it's like, hey, if I don't do new area uh, air sampling or audits or policy development, here's Doug Fletcher. Let him handle that, you know, and get out of the way of doing those types of things. We've actually had a really good working relationship over these last 20 years, man, because I think we both understand that these companies need each of our expertise. We There's very little overlap. So, you know, I mean, if they've got a – which is, which is why we're doing this, right? I mean, the, yeah. the whole point of this podcast is information and resources. Make sure people have what they need in order to, to d- provide uh, safety and health systems effectively. So yep. I think that's fantastic. So do you have any interesting destinations on the horizon? I oh. You get to travel to some unique places. Yeah, I'll be, uh, let's see, on uh, the next for the rest of the year, they're going to have me in, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, of course. But then I'll be up into Michigan, popping up into a client up there who last year, at the beginning of this year, they actually wanted me to take care of their offices in Canada. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, now with COVID, that's kind of been put on hold yeah, of until we get that um, mm-hmm. border issue taken care of. But mm-hmm. but you will then, do that. Oh, yeah. You know, once that's, oh, good once, once they've uh, opened the border up back yeah. up and COVID kind of starts to calm back down, mm-hmm. we'll be up there taking care of those oh, two terrific. offices. And that's uh, respiratory and fit testing and learning what does Canada do. Sure. Uh, what do they expect in a report and learning those type of things. And this is a company that has offices in about 35 states. Mm-hmm. You know, they have multiple divisions. It's a construction firm. And they also want me up in like Elko, Nevada. And it's like, okay, I haven't been there, but I've sent some of our staff there before. <laughs> they go, you're going to love it. All right, of course. But they're going to have me there for two solid weeks. That's going to yeah. be fun. You know, yeah. uh, so we'll be down in yeah. Arizona also in Texas, Very back cool. to Florida. And um, we'll go where the client pays us to go. Absolutely. You know, simple as that. Where there's a need. Yeah. That's fantastic. Because so. um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I would assume that there are very few occupational health services in most of these smaller communities where we, we tend to find industrial facilities. I mean, yeah. it's just incredibly limited. Like you said, you are ultimately going to the local general practitioner to try to get these services, and, and that's not necessarily the right Yeah, step. and they may be passing people that 
you know, the regulation says they have to score 75% and they're letting them because they're also the family doctor. Right. Sure. You know, so they're probably related, related, you know, it's all in town of 10 people, but they're taking care of everything. And, um, you know, good for them that there's, is at least a doctor out there, but it's just knowing that, right. What do I do? Where's this expertise? Where? Yeah. Well, let me help you. So you did say something that I want to touch. So, you provide your services to industrial clients as well as yes. construction clients. Oh yeah, industrial, so industrial construction, uh, finance, banking, healthcare, uh, healthcare. Probably, uh, that. Yeah, we've got clients. That's the neat thing is because we do not only do we do on-site hearing, respiratory fit testing, but our drug testing service. Uh, basically, you have an employee. We have a service for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be the hearing or respiratory, maybe drug testing or. Uh, but a lot of our on-site services right now, the biggest growth is in construction. Oh, fantastic. Because everybody now, because of the silica standard, everybody mm-hmm. needs to start getting into uh, a respiratory program, mm-hmm. getting that in place. But also with, hate to say it, COVID, mm-hmm. nobody wants to do a spirometry test on these people right. to make sure they're physically capable right. of doing it. Uh, we've gone in and taken over a program for somebody and – they're going like, how did my guys pass? Good question. They mm-hmm. should never have passed in the, you know, right. some of the things on their history. Right. They have a quadruple bypass. They've got other, are there big, big red caught. flags that should have caught and yeah. said, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, so. Well, man, that's fantastic, man. I mean, uh, and uh, is this is there another generation? We're working on it. That's going to be We're taken over the it. business. I yeah, mean, there's currently there's a third generation in play, and um, hoping to keep mentoring him. And you know, oh, that's uh, I work with my excuse me, I don't work with my sister. I work for my sister. Well, well, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> she's with, the boss, or whatever. So you know, um, her and I have been working mentoring. She's working with yeah. him a lot to try to bring him up to speed Fantastic. and. Eventually, hopefully, he'll take it over and run with the company, and well, then awesome. we'll and just continue to grow and ex- you know, I mean, continue yeah. to provide these services. But I, I have offered the Fletcher, you know, Fletcher Safety Empire to my my sons, <laughs> and neither one seems terribly interested at this point. Uh, at this point, but you know, we'll see. G- give them a few years out of college. And, well, they get you know, out of college and they can't find a job. job. Maybe safety looks better. I don't know. We'll yeah, because it doesn't matter what the economy does. OSHA says you still have to do this. We're in a pandemic. OSHA still says no doubt. you have to do the, your hearing test. You have to do right. your respiratory. Right. You can't ignore it. So that, That's a great point. Yeah, all of these obstructions, these issues that come up, you know, don't preclude our employees from having a, a safe place to work. So yep. That, that's, that's, a, that's an outstanding comment, man. I appreciate that's, that. That's all they care about is your doors are open. You've yeah. got to follow our regs. Yeah. That's exactly right. Simple. Any any parting comments or any anything you'd like to conclude with? Well, other than how about just, how do we get in touch with you if we want to perfect if we want to find uh, medical enterprises? Again, medical enterprises. I'm Lou tomorrow. Um, my email address is Lewis. It's L O U I S at medicalenterprises.com. Or you can call me at one 800 447 1669 my extension is one two two, but hit zero. Anybody can help you. Get into the get into You'll the get, system, get in the system and somebody will pick up the phone and direct you nice. to whatever help you need. Fantastic, so, man! Thank you for coming. Yeah, I appreciate. Thank you for the invite. This has been fantastic. Thanks again to you and your sister and everybody at Medical Enterprises for supporting the mission. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a kind of a cooperative effort, and yes. I, I sincerely appreciate your help. Well. Um, 
Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, there was a lot of incredible information in there. So uh, give Lou a call. Check him out. See what they can do for you. I am confident that they can provide you the services that you need. Um, I continue to send my clients to them. And like Lou said, if, if they weren't getting good service from Lou, my clients would come back to me and tell me that. And uh, everybody is very happy with what you guys are doing for Great. me. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, just in keep in mind, folks, that um, we as safety professionals and those that serve the safety community, we are simply advocates for these employees. They need people to advocate for them. They need people to look out for them. So remember why we do it. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.